Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today is one of those things that I have been instructed by God in this season to bring some of us to remembrance and others into mastery. You see, there are things in the Bible that would spell a lack of responsibility and would imply our inadequacy of spirit not to repeat or emphasize because of how important they are concerning the deeper or the most core things of the faith. Truths are ranked, and I've said this once or twice, that some truths are higher than other truths. And some truths in scripture hinge or are hemmed on other truths, that without some of truths, other truths cannot exist. So that's why Peter tells you that it would be negligent of him not to put you in remembrance always of some things, even though you know those things and you are established in the truth. For two reasons. One, that there is a number of us who are among them which seem to have understood this. But we have not understood this. It's like when the children of Israel came from Egypt. Among them were mixed multitudes. When God was saving Israel, he saved men which were not under the same covenant that he had with Israel. Because they went through the sea among the children of Israel, it does not presuppose that God had a relationship or a covenant with them. The Bible calls them mixed multitudes. And such are them which start the children of Israel to fall a lasting, to desire the flesh of meat and garlic and the onions and leeks they were eating in Egypt. And they rebelled against Moses, desiring to go back into slavery because for hundreds of years they were held in captivity that their mindset and attitude changed or was belittled to the place of food. And among them, the Bible says, as I reiterate, were mixed multitudes. These people, God did not have a relationship with. You know, so when we are among, you know, the brethren and we start to teach some things, it's an assumption that because you've taught this for quite some time, everybody among us understands. We also have some who are 
almost understanding it, but you assume that they understand because they have fragments of the testimony. But even in truth, I have realized over the years that there is power in repetition, especially in the things that touch our warfare, in the things that touch our learning. That's why the Bible speaks of the renewing of the mind. That means it has a sort of program within it to forget some of the things that you have learned. You see? One particular point the Bible tells us to hold on to these things, lest we let them what? Leak. You know? You're like a, a vessel that holds water. All right? And everything that is taught to you in understanding is like the pouring something in there. So in Hebrews, the Bible says, we ought to give the more honest heed to the things which you have heard, lest at any time we should let them sleep. The power of repetition. Why certain things in life are repeated. The human spirit was created in a way to adapt, to evolve, to mutate. It's built up, you know, from infancy, there's a process that matures your spirit. That's why the Bible speaks of exercising ourselves unto godliness. You see, it's like when you have, you know, a small little man like me, and then you go in the gym and start carrying what? Heavy stuff. All over a while, your muscles will start to come out. The chest will start to bulge. You know, and your scapula will expand. Why? Because you've gone through some sort of gym training. So it is with the human spirit. Not all of us are at the same level in spiritual strengths. Are you following what I'm saying? So there are portions of scriptures that I have realized that we teach without necessarily weighing the weight of the people to whom we teach. And some realities in truth are of exercised spirits, not exercised spirits. For example, in the King James, you read something like the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, right? The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. That a man's spirit can defeat any weakness or any sickness or any trouble. But when you go deep and study the Hebrew, in fact, the Amplified Version brings out the Hebrew connotation. It would say, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble but a weak and broken spirit who can raise or bear, right? It's not just about the broken spirit. It's with the weakness of that spirit. It's in that weakness that it is broken. You see? So just by giving a different version of this truth, Proverbs 18 verses 14, you see that there's some sort of explanation that requires you to exercise yourself to some strength for you to be able to sustain bodily trouble or sickness or pain. You see, the strong spirit. So it's as strong as you are that you are able to withstand some sicknesses. You see? So it's one of those things that in truth, if you know and continue to exercise yourself into like a man who is doing exercises in a gym, there is a huge possibility that you'll strengthen this man and be able to sustain much infirmity. Now, 
Today I wanted to teach something about healing. Okay, healing. And why do I choose to teach about this? Because if I don't teach uh about healing, then it's going to be hard for me to teach about health. You know, sometimes we assume that people will understand divine health without firstly understanding divine healing and that's not how it works it begins with understanding firstly divine healing and then from understanding divine healing then we teach divine health i mean to say we must make sure that at least everybody who falls sick knows how to receive their healing because when they know how to receive their healing then it means that then we can teach them how to keep their healing in teaching them how to keep their healing then is the mystery of divine health we make a mistake sometimes as ministers when we don't respect the order of the spirit and invest in helping men firstly to understand how to get healing how to receive their healing when they're in trouble because we are in a time where as some of you have noticed the healing ministry is dying out in the world and if you are a true seeker and you took some time to look through the continents of the world europe asia south america north america you know go looking through the continents with this fundamental question how many healing ministers do you know continent upon continent you understand what i'm saying healing ministers i'm not talking about people who you know healing also has degrees eh? you know i'm not talking about flu cough stress you understand i'm talking about blind eyes deaf ears tumors crippled legs i'm talking about that i'm not saying that the others are not sicknesses but some sicknesses are easier to heal than other sicknesses somebody shout hallelujah so some people have not come to the understanding that the healing ministry is dying out and it's being replaced by motivational speaking semantics vocabularies illustrations which come in the name of demonstrating the word of god and i've always had a problem where i see people illustrating and they call it demonstrating you see if i'm teaching about jesus and then i bring water and a glass and i start explaining to you pouring in a glass in and out that is illustration that's not demonstration do you understand if i tell you that jesus heals the sick and i heal a sick man that's demonstration <laughs> do you understand what i'm saying but i see that we are in a generation where many people have not yet understood the difference between the two praise the lord now to understand healing i need us to walk the journey of luke and i'm going to take a few portions of scriptures in luke and then i'll probably go through other scriptures to help us understand 
the order of things. Again, why do I take Luke for a choice? Because the Bible tells us that Luke, by the grace of God, had a perfect understanding. He took time to have a perfect understanding of the order of things when he was writing. Not that Mark didn't have his own order or Matthew did not have his own order, but distinctly Luke emphasizes that much as many of them uh, took an account to write the things that they saw that were revealed to them. If you read from Luke chapter 1 verses 1, he said, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, verses 2, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So he's talking about the rest of the people which were giving accounts of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verses 3, Luke says, It seemed good to me also, having had a perfect understanding of all things, from the very first, from the very first. That means there was some sort of order that helped him define what came first, what came second, what came third, what came fourth. To write unto thee, he says, in order, O excellent Theophilus, that thou might have the certainty of those things in which you have been instructed, that you might be spiritually established in divine instruction. Because without some sort of establishment, some sort of deeper understanding, in the instructions of the spirit, you will look like an individual who seems to know much of what you cannot manifest. I don't know, there have been around people who have amassed so much information over the years, but they don't seem to show forth what they assume to know or appear to have learned over the years. And I think, so it goes with our education systems. And I'm not saying I'm against education. I'm only saying all of you will agree with me that a man cannot be born year one, year two, year three, they enter pre-primary school. By year six, perhaps they're in their first primary. And then they go through seven years or eight years, depending on the system they're studying. And then they go through secondary school and you imagine how many things they studied every day from probably 8 a.m. to 3 to 4 to 6. And then they go through high school. And some of us in our years, it's not happening. I think they changed the education system here. But back in our years, oh my God, Oliver, you did how many? You did what? Photo something? Photo something? Subjects? They first throw it all at you to see what you know and what you don't know. Somebody goes through all of that and then they go through senior six and, and then they do their combinations. You know, some do the obvious ones. Hey, art, history, economics, Islam and art. Oh, Islam and Arabic. <laughs> the last two are the same. <laughs> You're following what I'm saying? And then they go through school and some of them even have master's degrees or some of you on this ground even have PhDs. And somebody with all of that training is still broke. And then you remember the old books you bought, biology, Abbott, pure math. The textbooks you had. Uh-huh. 
and some of which you could share and some you couldn't share because they were dear to you. From primary, you collected textbooks. Some of you kept your old notebooks, big black books like this, heavy. You even got a back problem because you used to carry like, you know, a dozen of them every evening or afternoon, every morning. You went to school. Your parents every morning made you breakfast, ironed your uniform, you know, drove you to school every morning. You're broke. You're still broke. You see? So, something is not right. And I'll tell you why. Because our present education does not incorporate some of the principles that have been designed by God to guarantee success. To guarantee success. It's like it's not possible for you to understand the Bible and not have a successful life. It is not possible. This book of the law shall not depart from your word. Uh -huh. Night and day thou shalt what? Meditate therein. To what? That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. He says, for then thou shalt make your way prosperous and have what? Good success. It is not possible for you to wholly give yourself to this word and not have the results of this word. The Bible says, meditate upon these things, give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear unto all. So if you're the kind of person who has this Bible, but it's not working yet for you, either you are meditating wrong or you have a misconstrued, a confused interpretation of scripture. But if you know the truth, the truth must make you free. Somebody shout hallelujah. Check somebody and tell them the word works. So, when Luke is trying to establish the certainty of things in which men are instructed, he gives us a very deep thought that we must follow some sort of order. And so when I studied Luke years ago, the Lord showed me something. One of the deepest secrets, I think. Now every man has relatively their own understanding and experience. And I'm not saying that they are wrong. But I want to take you on my own journey and give you my perspective of the vision that God gave me. Because the Lord showed me two things many years ago. He said, I either heal by the gift operating on an individual that is the anointing or I heal through the way of faith and that's a fact I've shared that for some of you who have lived with me or walked with me for some time you know that I either heal by a man that I've gifted to heal anointed to heal or I heal by the way of faith and if you are to look at all the miracles written in scripture in Mark, Luke, John, and Matthew, the four Gospels, and then remove the repetitions, you'll find that there are 19 miracles. Seven of them were by the gift or the anointing operating on the Christ. And the rest, 12, were by the effort and investment of faith by those which were around Jesus. Remember the story of how one time they bring a man who is sick and then they break through a roof. Then they put that man down 
And Jesus said, your faith has made what? Him whole. It was the faith of these men that broke the roof that healed this man. So we have instances in scripture where Jesus, men come to connect to Christ by faith to receive healing. But we also have instances where it's Jesus himself operating by the anointing on him to kickstart a miracle. Especially in the events of said deaths, when he's dealing with uh, Lazarus, when he's dealing with this little girl, little girl, rise up. You remember time he has to even chase some people out of the what? The room because none had faith. And this was now him operating by the anointing to heal the sick. So a man gifted, a woman gifted by the anointing can actually heal. I have had experiences where I healed by the gift. It switches on and I feel like I can heal. But the gift is interesting. It's not consistent. Sometimes it's on. Sometimes you feel it's not on. But faith is consistent. Do you understand? That is why you see that the 12 miracles were done more by the faith of those that were connecting to Christ. And the seven were done entirely by the anointing of the gift that was operating on Jesus Christ. There are people who sometimes come to me even when I'm not charged and I'm not in the faith zone, but because they have faith, it works. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? It works. And sometimes it's because their faith places a demand on the gift operating on my life, even when I've not activated it. And then it what? It works. The other week, a boy came with a broken bone, fresh. And he says, Apostle Grace, we're playing basketball. He says, Apostle Grace, I broke my hand. I can't walk with a broken hand. Uh -uh. Just put it there like this. I laid hands on the guy. The hand healed. You understand? Some people are like that. They are crazy enough to provoke faith. To provoke faith to work. You see? But there was something with his faith. There was something with his faith. Now, back to what I was trying to tell us here. And the Lord showed me, because 12 out of the 19 is your faith, the faith of a man. That means you are bound to have more healings when you teach faith than the operation of the gift. In the same breath, you are bound to have more sicknesses and deaths among believers because they do not have faith. And how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They must firstly be taught truth. If you have more people healed by faith, so you will have more people who will die or will be sickly because they do not have faith. Because God heals more by faith than the working of the gifting. Not that the gifting should be ignored. Sometimes you will need the gift, but sometimes you will need to know how to provoke yourself into faith so you'll have the results that you want to see by God. By that, you will not need a special man of God to call you all the way from Monrovia. Or that because the apostle left the country, therefore your mother must die. No, 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 no. no. You must know how to work this thing. Somebody shout hallelujah. Study the pattern. Jesus Christ is in his first dimension of ministry. All through to the age what? 30. And then the Bible says... He is led by the Holy Spirit into the what? 
the wilderness. And then after being tested in the fourth chapter, it was in chapter four where he's led into the wilderness. In the same chapter, he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit after the 40 days of what? Of testation. After those 40 days, we see Jesus Christ enter the second dimension of his ministry. And it's from the return of the wilderness that we see Jesus healing. We never see miracles until Jesus Christ returns. That's Luke 4.14 in the power of the word of the Holy Spirit. Now he's endowed. He's filled. He's charged. Now, I'm going to skip a bit and go into the first miracles that Jesus Christ performed. You know the first miracle was standing what I'm doing, right? But in those earlier, earlier days of him walking in the miraculous, verses 31, Luke chapter 4, the Bible says they came down to Copernam, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with what? Power. And then, the Bible says in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit, an unclean spirit, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? And then we see Jesus rebuking. Hold thy peace, he says, and come out of him. And when the devil threw him in the midst, it came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is, for with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits and they came out. These were the first earlier days of him doing miracles. So imagine he comes to Galilee and very few people know, very few people understand, yet that there is a fellow healing. Healing has just begun. Primal, primal days of healing. And then he casts out devils. And you know what? When that happens, rumors start going around. There's a fellow who is casting out devils. There's a fellow, the moment he comes in contact with demons, they what? They scream out. Verses 37, and the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And then he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house in the same time. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it what? Left her. And immediately she arose and ministered to them. She served food. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. This is what happened. The moment they heard that he healed a woman and immediately she stood up and started serving food. Again, the rumor started going around. There's a guy healing. There's a guy healing. There's a guy healing. So what we see Almost everybody who had a sick person. Imagine everybody who had a sick person. The Bible says, they brought them unto him. And the Bible says, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many crying out and saying, thou art Christ, the son of God. And rebuked them and suffered them not to speak for they knew that he was the Christ. Now, now I want you to follow this order. He comes, he heals one woman. Simon's wife's mother, right? And then rumors are taken abroad that this man is healing the sick. And then every person who has a sick person brings them to him. And when they bring them to him, because they had a rumor, the Bible says he lays hands on every one of them. And they all were healed. None was not healed. Now I want you to understand the spirit here. And so when that miracle happens, Again now, rumors start going aboard and his name 
is sounding everywhere. There's this young man healing. There's this young man healing. There's this young man healing. So room upon room, village upon village, home upon home, community upon community, we get into the fifth chapter. And in one of those days, in the fifth chapter, I want to go to verses uh, 12. But to help us go a bit back, when the disciples saw that this man was doing all of this, this is the time when you begin the verses 5, you start to see him even calling some to follow him. Why should I then follow this man who is healing the sick, who is doing miracles? They had never seen this before. Perhaps had only had this in the Old Testament prophets. But now in their own time, they see a man healing. So they start to abandon their ships and they leave their trade and start following Jesus. Now in verses 12, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, a man full of leprosy who seeing Jesus fell on his face and then he besought him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. Now, why is this man saying, if you will, you can make me clean? Healing has just begun. They are not yet sure what criteria this man uses to heal. Does he heal everybody who comes to him when they are sickly? Or does he choose who he will heal? Because if you look at the verses before and chapters before, we have not had an experience where they brought many sickly and Jesus laid hands on them and he left one or two not healed or ignored to pray for the sick. Every sick one that was there, he healed. But they were not yet sure whether he heals everyone or he heals a few or it's dependent on whether he wills to heal or he doesn't. It's optional. And so this man tells him, if you will, you can make me clean. He's not doubting that Jesus can heal. He's only praying that Jesus will want or will to heal him. And the Bible says, and he put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be thou cleaned. And immediately the Bible says the leprosy departed from him. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Now, why is this very important for us to understand? And the Lord showed me this is the biggest, 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 biggest problem of believers. This is not for unbelievers. Usually we heal more unbelievers than we do believers because of this one thing. I call them the doubtful believers, the irresolute believer. The believer who knows that Jesus can heal but is not sure whether Jesus will heal him. The believer who believes that Jesus can heal any sickness, he can heal cancer at any stage, but he is not sure whether Jesus wants to heal him as an individual. You have heard of people passing away out of the will of God and people have had it, you know, when you lose your own, people say, you know, Mungu yageze. In English, the Lord willed it that way. The Lord desired it that way. He loves the good. You know, the Lord giveth and taketh away. Why they are quoting Job. But Job was not speaking as an oracle. Job was lamenting. Do you understand? When Job said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return, and the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is Job lamenting. That does not necessarily mean that he is speaking as an oracle. Because when you read scripture, the Lord did not take Job's children. 
It was the devil that took Job's children because Job broke the hedge of his life by the spirit of fear that he surrounded himself with. He said in scripture himself, he confesses and says that the thing that I greatly feared is come upon me and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Job always lived in a constant fear of losing his children one day, in a constant fear of getting sick one day. That was the thing that he always lived with. You know, we have people who are perpetual warriors. They perpetually worry about everything. There are people right now, you're listening to me, even if they go to bed like this, they imagine themselves dying. Even when they get flu, they imagine death. Even when they feel a little headache, it's not headache, it must be cancer. But everything in their head is extreme. They're seated at home and they're imagining their children getting accidents. That's just the world they live in. And let me tell you something, that's demonic torment. The Bible says fear hath torment. The spirit of fear has comes with some sort of tormentation. Some of you are tormented that way. You look at your business and you think every day, one day this thing is going to die. You're breaking every hedge of protection that God has placed according to his promises. And one day that business will fall because your brain has been processing and thinking that for many, many years. The Bible says, as a man thinketh so what? So he is. Learn to refuse negative thoughts. And this is how you do it. Address the devil at the thought he has given. The moment you see yourself in a car accident, say, devil, I cannot die in a car accident. Then you can bring that thought at noon tomorrow again. Say, devil, I said, power of repetition, I cannot die in an accident. He brings it at 6 p.m., you repeat it. He brings that at 8 p.m., you repeat it. The communication of your faith will become effectual as you acknowledge every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. The more you start speaking, the more you are not only designing the world you want to live in, but that is you withstanding the devil. Resisting the devil. That's called resisting. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee. But... You have to submit yourself first unto God. What does that mean? You must know what the word says. You cannot resist when you don't know what scripture says. You use the word. He brings thoughts of death. You say, ah, uh -uh, I am not dying. No, this cannot happen. As you continue speaking, you align your subconscious mind. You align your consciousness to think the right thoughts. The Bible says he's held in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. The Bible says, because he trusted in thee. The true sign of a man who trusts in God, your mind is stayed on the will of God concerning your life. That's a man who trusts God. That's a man who refuses to accept negative thoughts. Am I helping somebody? So, but I'm talking about the doubtful and irresolute. But yet they are believers. I believe you can do this, but can you do it for me? They're not convinced for themselves. When it comes to their story, their narrative, when it comes to their trouble, it's up to him. There's a possibility that he might not will. Why? Because they know somebody who believed God and they died. Well, faith is in the heart. You don't judge somebody 
in assumption that they believed when you do not know what was in their heart. Some people worship God with their lips, but their hearts are what? They're very far. I have met people who are positive. I can't die. This cannot happen. And before you know it one day, their tongue slips and they say something that proves to you that they were trying to convince themselves of something that their hearts never believed in the first place. You watch people who fail in their walk of faith. If you go back and trace, you'll find a confession. Because the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. If a man is perfected in speech, the Bible says that man is a perfect man able to breathe the whole body. That's what it says. For in many things we offend, but if any man offend not in what, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Do you know what bridling the whole body means? You are in charge of your body. You can control it. I know, but you see in our family, our lineage, there are people who carry diabetes and they told me I have diabetes. Yes. But if you know how to speak right, you can control your diabetes. If you know how to speak right, you can keep your body under the right body pressure. Oh, in our family, there is high blood pressure. Yeah, you can put that blood pressure low if you know how to speak. Oh, in our family, uh, people are sickle cell. Yes, you can have sickle cells and it will not have consequence on you. Are you following what I'm saying? Oh, for us in our family, people have eye problems. Yes, you can speak your sight to clarity. You can confess and speak and speak and speak until those glasses fall off one day when you put them on you can't see and when you put them off your eyes can see he says that man is perfect and is also able to breathe the whole body to control the whole body this thing is important one time I made a statement and I said one of the biggest misfortunes of our dispensation is that men have not been taught how to contemplate. Men have not been taught how to think. They cannot serve God with their mind. When Paul says, with my mind, I serve the law of God. Romans 7.25. With my mind, I serve the law of God. The law of God. What is the law of God? What is the law of God? Where is our boasting? Serving the law of what? Faith. The law of God is the law of faith. The law of God is the law of faith. So when Paul says that with my mind, I serve the law of God. You must learn how to serve God with your mind. How to align yourself to divine purpose with your mind. How to keep your body with your mind. You must know how to arrest your thoughts. For the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in Christ. They pull down strongholds. Where are they? In your mind. They cast down imaginations. Where are the imaginations? In your mind. And every high thing that exalts itself against your knowledge of Christ. Where is knowledge in your mind? And bring into captivity all thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Having a readiness to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. God is ready to deal with anything that troubles you when you know how to obey in your mind. To cause your imaginations to obey. To cause your thoughts to obey. 
to break every high thing that exalts itself above your knowledge of Christ. You know Christ as a healer, but then this disease continues to disturb you. It continues to trouble you. You're 25, but you're struggling with diseases of 80-year-old people. And nobody can help you until we arrest this first. You must know the mystery of serving God with your mind. You learn how to serve God here. You see, why did God create you with a mind? Why did he create you with a mind? You see, look at all your five senses. All of them carry their interpretation from your mind. If your mind is not working, these senses cannot be interpreted. If the senses of the physical realm are only interpreted through your mind, then I want you to understand every sense defined in the realm unseen can also connect to your mind. Do you know there is such a thing as a godly feeling? The Bible says, if happily they might seek him, come and feel after him and find him. You see, there is a feeling that is required for any man who will find God. But that feeling connects to a certain, I call it a holy emotion. And your mind is a very contributive element in that connection. That is why if a man loses their mind, they're as, as though they're dead. Because they don't understand anything on the earth. They're not existent. Physically they are, but they have no participation or application in the world of men. Some of you don't know how important this is to keep renewing. That's why you read your devotionals every morning. The Bible was not made for you to read once in a week. Once on a Thursday and a Sunday. Look at people who are like that and I'll tell you people who have defeat in certain areas of their lives. I read the Bible every day. The word of God has to come in my spirit every day of my life. Because he says, thou shalt meditate therein day and night. 3 a.m., 4 a.m. in the morning, I'm in the word. Meditating therein, speaking to myself, communicating into my years and days to come. Night and day you meditate therein that you may observe to do according to all that is written. It's amazing. This third thing that you may observe to do, that is not you saying I'm going to do, no. He says, if you learn how to speak and meditate, you'll find yourself acting out the way of faith. When you learn to speak, because remember your word, everything that comes out of here is power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. He didn't say the power of life. He did not say the power of death. He said the power of the tongue. Life and death. He didn't give life power. He did not give death power. He gave the tongue power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. When you wake up and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Even when you don't feel like you can, because you have spoken it, there is a power that is going to start pushing you to act out what you have spoken. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why it's important to communicate your plans to the universe. Communicate them to the universe. Next year, I'm doing this. No, not to people, not to people, no. To the universe, to the universe, to this earth. Why? Because it has a responsibility. You remember when the Bible tells us that do not worry about what you eat or drink for tomorrow has its own to worry. Tomorrow has its own to worry. If you study the literal translation there for tomorrow shall text out for the things of itself. It means tomorrow morning is already planning for you. 
that day is planning for you. The earth tomorrow, the sun is going to rise. You know, the dew is going to fall. The winds are going to blow. But they're all waiting for what your plan is. Tomorrow has its own, its own self to worry. So he tells you, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because you know how to take charge prior to the day. You know how to speak into the days and years ahead. You see, when Cain killed Abel and the earth opened its mouth to swallow the blood of Abel, what did God tell him? He says, the earth shall not yield forth its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond shall you be on the earth. That means there is a deliberate intellect within the earth wherewith it can yield strength to some people and it can deny strength to some. You can start a business in a certain place and it does not work and another man comes and starts business in the same place and the earth yields forth her strength to that man. You can start a ministry somewhere and it does not work and another man comes in the same place where the ministry has failed and the earth yields forth its fruit and substance and strength to that man and that ministry works. In the things that you have failed, there is a man in the same universe who has succeeded. So you must understand the secret of how that man aligns and yields to those things to agree. This world understands. That's why I said, learn to speak in the days to come. I'm doing this next year in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is going to happen. I'm enlarging. Oh, our territories are expanding. Glory to God. You see, the doubtful believer says, Father, if it is your will, make this happen. If it's not your will, I will understand. Do you understand what I'm saying? Until you mature in the experience that he has made known unto us the mystery of his will. Anything secret concerning what he wills has now been made known, manifested and revealed to us. We know his will. We know his will. We know his will. He has made known. This is for mature people. This is an adult text. A baby cannot understand this. But when you mature in the things of the spirit, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. That means it was even a pleasurable experience. He wanted you to know the mystery of his will. So that when you get to a place of believing God for divine healing, you know his will concerning it. You know his will. Because again, if you don't know the will of God, whether he wants to heal you or not, like some of you believe or think, oh, you know, it's not the will of God to, maybe we can pray, but it's not the will. And I tell people, let's just say it wasn't the will of God to heal you. Isn't it rebellion to swallow medicine? Check somebody and ask them, did you hear that? Isn't it rebellion? Because God doesn't want you healed. But then you go and swallow anti-malarials. That's you rebelling against God. Don't swallow because he doesn't want you healed. Just don't swallow and what? And die. Operation, they cut you. If it's the will of God, I'll... <laughs> if we are still debating will, then don't swallow. Because you're not sure. But by helping yourself on that tablet, it means that you're affirming to yourself that there is some will somewhere that wants you well. And some of you then get to a point where you think that that will that wants you well, perhaps a doctor or your family, is more righteous 
and loving than the God which created you. This is the biggest, biggest, biggest hindrance to the healing of the believer. They're not sure whether he will. They're not sure whether it's the will of God. Let me tell you. Let me help you understand this. If you go back to Luke chapter 5, where we were reading, where he healed this man, hmm? be clean. The Bible says, let's go to verse 16. And when he withdrew himself into the wilderness to pray, it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which came out of every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord, he says, was present to heal. When he went to pray alone, some people came to ask questions, some came to doubt, some came to heal, and you find that the power of God was present to heal. Now I want you to study that simple word, the power of God was present to heal. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find that way, and they went upon the housetop, let down the tiling on his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, your sins are forgiven. And that man was what? Was healed. Now I want you to study this very keenly. If the power to heal is present, if Jesus is in a congregation of 20,000 or 30,000 people, and he has, after a time of secluding himself in prayer, and that's what actually those of you who intend to do healing meetings should understand, that when you know how to tarry, you make certain graces available. You understand? Sometimes when I'm going for crusades, I put two or three hours or forward and just be in the presence and charge. When I'm in that kind of charge and I stand on the altar, I don't need to pray because the power is present. It's present. You understand? Now, a man who has faith can easily plug and then what? Be healed. Now, tell me this. If Jesus was waiting on God and then he availed much power to him, do you want to tell me that when that power comes among men, it will segregate who to heal and who not to heal? It's just present to heal. Anybody who is sick, it will what? Heal. Anybody who is sick, it will heal. That is why when they brought people which were sick, the Bible says he healed them all. Fifth chapter. We go to sixth chapter. Verse 17. He came down with them and stood in the plain and company of his disciples. And a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And when they were vexed with unclean spirits, they were healed. Verses 19, And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for went virtue out of him and healed them. So everywhere he goes, people gather from different parts and anybody who touches him, anybody who comes in proximity with this man, the Bible says he healed them all. It's important. That word all is important. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 4 verses 23, again the story of he went down in Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness. All, 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 all. Cancer, all. HIV, all. All manner of sickness 
and all manner of disease among the people and his fame went through all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people which were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them all of them everyone who was brought to this man he what he healed so we start to see city upon city a pattern starts to spell out he goes heals one or two people they hear that there is a fellow healing they bring all the sick and when they bring all the sick he lays hands on all of them and then they are healed then he goes in another city and you can see that pattern in Matthew 12 verses 9 when he was departed thence he went into their synagogue and behold there was a man which had his hand withered and they asked him saying is it lawful to heal on the sabbath days that they might accuse him and he said unto them what man shall there be among you who shall have one sheep and if it fall into a pit on the sabbath day he will not lay hold on it and lift it out how much then is a man better than a sheep wherefore it is lawful to do well on the sabbath days then saith he to the man stretch forth thine hand and he stretched it forth and it was restored whole as the other then the pharisees went out and held counsel against him how they might destroy him but when jesus knew it he withdrew himself from thence and great multitude followed him and he healed them so he goes in a city heals one guy starts some commotion isolates because he has given them an address They bring all the sick and the Bible says he heals them all. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the same. Yesterday. Today. And forever. If he healed them all, then he heals them all now and he will heal them all tomorrow. What I'm trying to say when you are among them which are sick refuse to walk out of that ground without your healing now i'm talking to you people who have had diabetes what blood pressure they've been checking it for years you're under some drug this evening the constipation sinuses ulcers teeth issues Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. If he healed them all, you are among all. Don't disqualify yourself. Listen, to think you're not among those Jesus heals is to think that you are not forgiven. Because listen, sin brought sickness and death. Isn't it? The wages of sin is what? Is death. He forgives all iniquities, comma, Psalms 103 verses 3, and heals all diseases. You cannot believe in the forgiveness of sin and doubt your healing. You cannot believe in the forgiveness of sin and not believe in the healing of your disease. If you doubt that God is to heal you, then it means you doubt that you're forgiven. And if you doubt that you're forgiven, then you doubt the sacrifice. His blood is not sufficient. It's not sufficient. This is the double-edgedness of that sword. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. He that forgiveth all thine iniquities, who heals all your diseases. He heals all your diseases. Verses 4. Verses 4. Uh-huh. He redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Verses 5. Who satisfies your mouth with what? Good things so that your youth is renewed as the eagle. Oh! Those of you who want to stay young, I've given you the answer. He fills your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed as the eagle. If you want to renew your youth every day, wake up and start saying good things. Just wake up alone in your room and say, and say, oh, oh, I am fit. I am strong. Praise God. And then do a little run like that. Once your mouth is filled with good things, your cells start growing younger. Your bones start feeling. Let me tell you, I feel like I'm 25 in my body. The things I'm able to do, I feel strong. Why? Because I've learned to speak. I wake up and say, oh, oh, my youth is renewed. My youth is renewed. You go and look at my photo. 10 years ago, I've not changed. 15 years ago, same face. I only change hairstyles. I cut it and then I make longer or the beard, but same, same, same frame. Same. Some of you are 35, you can't. <laughs> Shout fire! Wake up and talk to your bones. And tell them you will live, you will function. Even at 90, I will be running. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You wake up with a bad back and you say, my back is fit. In the name of Jesus, I can do all things by Christ which strengthens me. Glory to God. And then as you're speaking, something might come. And then you say, hey, the devil is a liar and his mother-in-law. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you feel. So you, I think you might even wake up and something is not right and your heart is pumping. Funny, you, you know, you're, you're feeling dizzy. Then you start, oh, I feel dizzy. Do you know what you're doing to yourself? Has the dizziness come say, I feel strong? Oh, I am strong. Oh, I am strong. I am strong. Hallelujah. Start running around a bit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Maro Bradega. Hold yourself. Why? Because life and death are in the power. It persists, you persist. Before you know that, you start feeling your body adjusting. Starting to agree with the word of God on your life. Glory to God, hallelujah. Glory to God, hallelujah. Why? Because he healed them all. 
That is why the apostle makes this famous statement. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. There is no disease that cannot be healed. There is no body Jesus doesn't want to heal. If you heal them all, I'm among all. Ah, come on. Tell your neighbor if he healed all of them, I'm among all. Do you know what your mouth has just said? Oh, you know when I say tell your neighbor, some of you just blah, 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 blah. let me give you another chance. Tell your neighbor if he healed all, I am among all. I refuse to die early. I refuse to die early. Let me tell you how we go to heaven. I've studied the most prolific healing teachers over the years. I studied Kenneth Hagin. 8381. Sat on his chair, signed out. They touch him, he's gone. No sickness. Tear loss bone. Bowed like this as our prayer. Shook the guy who has gone heaven. You study faith preachers. <laughs> no, no. The moment is done with you, you sign out. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Say no, no, no. I refuse to die sick. I said I refuse to die sick. Yes. Your spirit can leave the body and you go to heaven. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. He, his own self, bore your sins on the word that you being dead to sins might live unto by his stripes you were healed. That is why when you pray and understand this mystery, you never ask for healing again, even if it persists. Mm -mm. Listen to these things. Repeat them. Listen and listen and listen until your body complies. Until your body complies. You see, some of you must understand. Let me give you an example. How many people on this ground, through the word, have ever received a miracle, a serious miracle, not flu or cough. Put up your hand. I want the camera to show that. So, you should understand why people come to Fanero. Everyone here has a story. Pastor Rohi one time went to the doctor and the doctors told him, oh, scientifically, your wife can't have a baby. He came to me that day. He didn't tell me that. He just brought me a seed and said, Papa, this is a seed for our first son. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Every man here has their testimony. I have a couple. They were married for about five years. And then one day just noticed they don't have children. I just noticed. Said, wait a minute, these guys don't have children. So I called the fellow. 
I said, what's wrong? He told me the doctor said I have zero sperm count. Not low. The doctors told them they have zero sperm. Zero. So I said, uh -uh. let me also confirm it. I took the guy to the doctor. I paid. The results came back and said the man had zero sperm count. Zero. His body... I just told his wife. The devil doesn't know what he has messed with. I told his wife, just be coming to my office and just carry my child. Just carry like this and put down. Just come and carry my daughter and just put down. One month. Two months. Three months. On the third month. It was a Friday evening. We were praying at the office. I used to have a bunch of people who used to come and we pray two, three hours. The spirit told me they are conceiving. I even remember telling my wife, these guys have entered their season, whether the devil wants it or not. After the third month, fourth month, <laughs> check, pregnant! <laughs> I can tell you stories of cancer. I can tell you stories of tumor. I can tell you stories of blind eyes, deaf ears. I can tell you stories of diabetes here. They tell somebody you have diabetes, we have to put you under bed rest or we have to admit you and then you tell the person tomorrow morning go back to the same hospital and they check and there's no diabetes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Refuse to be sick. <laughs> Sickness is in trouble. Sickness is in trouble. If you have somebody with a clutch around you, tell them stand up. Healing is present. If you have somebody with a corset, you've tied something in your back, you've tied something in your neck, remove it and start moving your body. Open your mouth and thank God for his word today. Come on, thank God for health <laughs> and healing. Ooh, the Bible says healing is the children's bread. God is healing the sick. God is healing the sick. Let me speak to diabetes right now. I curse you from the core. Today is the last time you're in that body. Let me speak to high blood pressure. This is the last time you're in that body. Let me speak to addictions. Sexual addictions. Drug addictions. Tonight, the power to heal is present. Heart disease. I command your heart to heal right now in the name of Jesus. Kidney disease. This is the last time that kidney misbehaves in the name of Jesus. Liver disease. I command that liver to heal right now in the name of Jesus. Prostate. I command that prostate to heal today in the name of Jesus. 
any abnormal growths any tumors any fibroids i command you to disappear now blood diseases cancer hiv the bible says all manner of disease and all manner of sickness die in the name of jesus back issues heal in the name of jesus back issues i command you to heal right now in the name of jesus teeth issues i command you to heal right now in the name of jesus just sicknesses i command you to heal right now in the name of jesus barrenness i rebuke you right now in the name of jesus migraines i rebuke you right now in the name of jesus there are people here you've been dealing with a sickness the doctors have failed to diagnose it that you go for checkup but they cannot say anything right now the power of god is coming upon you that's witchcraft and so i rebuke every form of witchcraft of your life go in the name of jesus i speak healing i speak healing i speak healing i speak healing thank you holy spirit come on let's clap for jesus If you're there and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to come and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you say today, I want to give my life to Christ, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Repeat this as after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.